So I'm, I'm happy to announce the uh, mysterious nefesh of our listeners um, that they, um, despite the fact that we just said there's some warm seats somewhere in Buffalo, are listening to the shear. That's what I gathered from that uh, piece of information. There was another piece of information in that communication as well, but maybe we'll announce that after the shear. Uh, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we were discussing uh, Das Terah and the tremendous Nisayan that Klai Yisrael had in the time of Megillah and Mordechai and Esther. And the Nisayan repeats itself in every dar in various scenarios and situations. And Rav Dessler thus far, and if you missed the first half from last week and the third before that, the week before uh, it's Kedai to listen to it, we're going to jump in the middle because I'd like to finish it tonight, but we're really never finished. It's the typical mida of gaiva, or call it lack of humility, and lack of uh, bittel, and we dress up as uh, the pride that, yes, I'm going to figure things out myself, and that's very good. When you're learning a sugya, you try to figure things out yourself, but there comes a point where Certain situations or even certain malachim in the sugya require das of people who are smarter and have more siyat deshmaya. And as we have been discussing when we began, the sugya the Avarazara, is it Meker Din? Do you have to not bow down? Was he an Avarazara himself? Was he wearing something around his neck? Was it a chumrah? But it's a chumrah that was needed because the optics were bad, it was a Marasayan issue. But they didn't know, as Mordechai might have felt that all these are true, and they have to be Masakin for bowing down, representatives of Christ are bowing down to that statue. I'm called, using the word statue, not Avodah because we saw Rabbi Tama held it wasn't an Avodah And there was still a Taina that it looked like an Avodah and the Umas just saw the Jews bow down, except for Hanayim Meshavah and that's a call, and the call is being made by Mordechai, didn't volunteer to be in this matzav, but he realized that he was and that he can't shirk the responsibility. The being of the shtick on the Mechtam Elio, he was describing it, he was witnessed as a young man to the tremendous pressure of all the decisions that were made, especially in Europe, and World War I, World War II, and in between. And the sense of achrayas that they had, the siyat shmaya came from not only godless and teira and sitkus and working at midas, it was just the, the midah you have to keep front and center is your sense of achrayas, that it's not about you and what's good for your next run for Congress or Senate or President, and it's about what a Baruch wants and what Klai Yisrael needs. And you have to appreciate that sense of achrayas. And Mordechai heard them out at the beginning of the discussion and said, I understand what you're asking. And they were saying, you're putting yourself in Sakana, and you're putting everybody here in Sakana, and Hama's going to get angry. And Mordechai, per the Akash we saw, was not just sitting in the background that if Hama would come by, he's going to make a decision to put himself at risk, which that had tied on already. He was pretty proactive. Uh, Haman, going to many him we didn't mention this yet, but Haman, if you look at the Pesukim, sort of tried to ignore Mordechai. He wanted to ignore him anyway because he kind of was Meshubba to him and Mordechai owned him and the whole past experience pretty embarrassing for him. So 
he tried to ignore him, and there was an edict, there was a gazera, there would be Shabbat down, and uh, Mordechai didn't, but you know what, he doesn't have to notice everything. Even though it's vintage Haman at the end, he did have to notice, because once somebody mentions something, then it's a question of his covet. Once somebody knows. So, the Avadim, because they're nosy, have nothing to do, pointed out that Mordechai wasn't bound down. I can imagine one of the guys, must have been Union, uh, nothing against Unions per se, but you know, he wants everybody to act the same. He says, hey, I, that guy over there, he's a minister, he's not bowing down. And they went over to him, and he said, I'm not because religious uh, issue, and I'm not going to do it. And then they went and told Mordechai, as we all know from the, uh, went and told Haman that Mordechai wasn't bowing down. And then they wanted to see, is this going to work? Now Haman couldn't ignore it because his gaiva was such that he's got to force the show down. So, according to this Yalkut, he was going to, not because he's a nice guy, he was evil personified, but he's going to try to find out if it's true and he's going to not just walk by, maybe Mordechai won't see him, he's going to say, Shalom Aleichem, uh, Reb Mordechai, uh, how you doing this morning? And as the Yalkut says, he did that, and Mordechai turned to him and said, Ain't Shalom L'Rashayim, Amar Hashem, because of That's, if you want to get Haman angry, that's the Pasuk you're going to want to quote. So he wasn't trying, Khalilah, to get killed, to get other people hurt. He was trying to make it clear that we're not going to play any tricks over here, like, I'll just throw my ring down, why don't you just pick it up for me, or something like that. And you're going to schmooze with me, and then uh, as I'm leaving the conversation, I'm going to have to bow down. I'm not interested in dealing with you, and the answer is no. And um, let's understand that now. And Mordechai knew that he has to do that. And they had big tightness. If that Yalkut conversation was known then, and it probably was, because that people he's dropping all over the palace, uh, if not humming himself, going to tell people this guy's really out to get me, wouldn't even say hello, kind of unfriendly guy, is he? And Kaiso had big tightness. And that's where we left off in the middle, uh, page two. And Yemechtam Elio, go down the f- second paragraph, about halfway down the first, uh, where the line is Chashash Rochach, we'll go back a few lines. Middle line is Mordechai Lo See that by the dash? Mordechai Lo Ishtachava, Yaharbim Yisrael Tzayikin, they were screaming, Shemaimid B'Sakhan Stafaz Klai Yisrael, his own danger, but all of Klai Yisrael, Mishun Chasidus Protis Yaseira, can refer to Goddess Esther, Amalei Yisrael Tehei Yadeah, the same complaint to Klayisrael when he asked Paro that they should leave. And Paro increased the Shibud and started whipping people and killing people. So, it's been around and, okay, there's before Kabbal Satera then, but Moshe Rabbeinu was an accredited Navi at this point. He said, because I say accredited Navi, he claimed that Hashem sent him and Aaron was a Navi with them the whole time. And Aaron vouched for him. That's how a Navi can become a Navi that's accepted by Christ. Well, if another Navi vouches for him. And they got all that, and they believed it, and that was fine. Except when people started getting hurt and killed, which makes it very, very difficult. Well, nobody got killed yet over here, but they were assuming their knowledge of Haman, that he's not going to stand for this, and he's vengeful enough to make a Gezerah in all of Christ, well, which is exactly what happened within a couple of days. <coughs> And the facade of the physical realities on earth and the brutal realities can be very confusing. As we just spoke in the Pussing of Kahelis, it's not always 
So Nicker, who's the Tzadik, who's the Rosh, the and it looks like, oh, you're doing the right thing, and it's working. Well, it's only working, and it's only good if ultimately the money finds its way into the right place, the power finds its way to the rightful owners. The things that are happening are ultimately good for the Ruchnings of the world. And until that's over, you can't always tell. They're worried about the short-term issue. If this exactly that he's going to be killed, we're going to have a big problem. And Mordechai said, no, we're not. If we don't do Ratzon Hashem, we're going to have a bigger problem. And it's not a question of even a bigger problem. We have a problem if we don't do Ratzon Hashem. And if we do Ratzon Hashem, we will not have a problem, even though it looks like we have a problem. That last line, again, it's another Gilgul of Tzadik, is the trickiest thing. Because you're looking at many things that go on personally, nationally, internationally, and the brutal reality looks very different than the internal decision that we know is right. And you just have to stay on course and ignore it. I didn't live in the Middle Ages, either did you. You can imagine when the Cossacks rolled into town, the Crusaders rolled into town, and they're going to put everybody to the test of their Amun Shlema, and it's going to be very, very toxic in terms of the possible violence of people getting killed. So if you didn't learn Kufnan Zion, you didn't do the Sugiyas and Sanhedrin, you would say, well, just do the right thing and Hashem will save you. In certain conditions, not in Gullah's conditions necessarily. It's do the right thing and Hashem will give you the Elam Haba and that's what you're doing here. We don't look to get killed, but if you have Yavra, then you are doing the right thing. It's not our business which way it ends as the story ending on earth in the physical realm. So Mordechai Natsatik knew that the kitchen clay soil is from something else, either the Suda or Nebuchadnezzar's statue or both. And he probably alluded to it, certainly alluded to the Suda. They were alive then, they did the wrong thing. And they couldn't see past it at first. But just understand, before he passed judgment on Klai Yisrael, this Klai Yisrael, the end of the Megillah, does full tshuva. And they think he's 100% right, and they understand that they'll fast with him, and they'll daven with him, and they'll do all the right things. We have these Nisanis, sometimes more, sometimes less, on a yearly basis, and people are still writing and talking. And there could be a machlekes about what to do, but if there's a Syriashita that is saying, A, the fact that you feel the uh, physical reality or even the Hashkaf with the man different doesn't mean that you should be arguing. That's Desla's point. So let's see again. So what's your choice? Should I bow down to Avadazar? Keep in mind, now that we've seen Taisis, they're not asking about that Avadazar, they're saying, Rabbi Mordechai, maybe if it's only a Chumra, maybe we shouldn't do the Chumra over here. Flo Kibbalov. Maisa, they sort of agreed to disagree. Achar Zman, Kara, Mamesh, Kachol, Asher, Pochtu, Hachalchem, Amardachem, Ekedem. So what happens? Pretty soon, all the people who were screaming and yelling came back screaming and yelling louder. You see, we're right. And the worst case scenario is actually taking place as we predicted. So here's the two choices. Very, very stark terms. 
Is it because Mordechai was a bit too machmer in their eyes and triggered now a very, very furious Haman who's going to take all his anger and pour all his venom on Klai Yisrael? Or is it because nine years ago somebody went to a party which we held was the thing to do for political action and everything was pretty kosher except for things that weren't so kosher but it was maybe a drabonon and we had to be there and uh, you got to be part of the political realities of Shusha Rabira. You can picture the editorials. I'm just, you can write this position uh, not only well but almost too well. And Mordechai said, no, it was a party, and there's also something 60-some-odd years before that that also was a Maris Ayan issue. Maybe, according to Abana Tam, or worse. How can you argue with the reality? Chush is what we see with our eyes. The whole purpose of this whole shtickle is to reinforce that we can't look at our things the way Goyim would look at things. You can't look at the physical realities as you do. You have to still live on earth. That's what they were claiming. But Mordechai said, there's something existential over here, and it's not the existential threat from Haman. It's an existential threat that Klai Saul has to wake up and start being Mahadur on the Ikarim when it doesn't look good, like Avodah and mingling with the Goyim, which will cause assimilation. And we can't budge. And if that's not working in the Zegzeira, it's because of that, not because we didn't try to ingratiate ourselves more. All this was a facade. And all this is to trick us into thinking that's the Messias, and the Satan is very good at that. Many people are very bothered. It's going to happen uh, next week, sort of. Well, it's Pashas Yisrael. We don't hear about it until later. But what right does a Sutton have, a chutzpah, to... Moshe Rabbeinu is late. He's not really late, but they think he's late. So he causes confusion. This is going to lead to not stop panic. It's going to lead to the Chet Egel, which we're still paying for. And then we all know, the Medjur says, that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu is very late, and the, stars, the, the skies got very dark. And then they saw an apparition of Moshe Rabbeinu's coffin suspended in Shemayim. I would say that's quite uh, out of bounds. No? Well, that's, I'm taking, he's, he's drawing a physical mitzias of something that didn't even exist. So that has to be explained, and there are interesting, the Sfarim Akadosh talk about why that wasn't, he actually grabbed that image from the fact that Moshe Beno was in Shemayim, and he sort of got out of his goof because he wasn't eating for 40 days and 40 nights and wasn't sleeping and was just learning with a Baruch Hu So that image, it's still a Kiddush that he could do that, but that's classic vintage Satan to just make everything look like something that you're going to get for tumult about and be papachad and say, okay, it's obvious we have to do this following Ishtadlis or making this conduit in the shape of a golden eagle to be able to communicate and make some sort of transmission that will reach Shemayim. They still had a desire for Ruchnius, which the Erev took advantage of and tapped into the wrong spot, but it was still a Vodazar, no matter what the motive was. But he used something, the imagery there was, looked quite real to them. And in a way it was real, or else he can't take something and cut and paste if 
it's not being cut from somewhere. That is not what she's to do. So whatever Inyan Alpinister, the Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't special, whatever the Pshat is, but that's pretty scary. Because we're looking at physical things, the Satan is just uh, setting stages all the time. Everything is a stage and everything is a... Uh, we just uh, don't know where the curtains are going to draw. And it, but it's not really the MS of what we're supposed to be taking a cue from. It's often an obstacle and we're supposed to be overriding it. That's a, that's a daunting task. It's not impossible, but it's a challenge. That's the challenge they were faced with. In the parentheses, he had to pick this Forget the other shita, which is probably even the main shita. He's saying, even according to the shita, just the Suda, the one by Nebuchadnezzar with the statue, the Suffolk of Arazar, whatever it was, is obvious and needed a tikkun. He says, even by the Suda, the Xerah Durabonons that might not have even existed yet, of Stam Yenam and Bishol Akum and all those things, if they were there then, then it was an Issa Durabonon already. And if it wasn't, the concept is that we don't want you mingling with the Gayim at a party. And Mordechai was making the Xerah for them at that time, even if there was no standing Xerah. And the chashash, the downside, is assimilation, which is Avazrayo, Davarazara, and probably Giliarayas and other things as well. <coughs> and that needs a tikkun that's to be bent the other way. They were just representatives, and Rabbi Tom says that they were not really faced with halachic issue because it wasn't Milavarazar. Lamaisa, because they were representatives, it looked bad. Hagen Hagen Alayam, page three. Chush again, what we perceive as the reality. So the good news now. They came around pretty quickly, as a matter of fact, because we didn't discuss fully yet, but there's a tremendous uh, downward pressure that Mordechai is putting on Esther. And Esther agrees with she just thought going into the palace uninvited was a chiddush because she didn't get herself killed. We just asked for another nace. But Esther agreed, we've got to have a tainus now, and the tainus is for three days. Why are they doing this? It's Pesach time. The Xerah is not chal till next other. You've got a whole year. What's the rush? So you can say, okay, if we don't nip it in the bud, the Xerah is going to be out, we're not going to be able to recall it. And the rush was that it was a wake-up call and Mordechai and Esther understood that we have to seize the initiative. The Klai Yisrael is now shocked very angry, very disoriented. The big tumult that have times on them. Now is when you have to fix it. And it happened pretty quickly. And they came around. And they joined the Tainus with Mordechai because they got over the complaints and the accusations that they had. Otherwise, they wouldn't join them. They'd say, it's your fault. Why are we, now, now we can't eat. Now we got a dive and you got us into this mess. answer is they came around and they saw the the value of what was going on and the real tikkun and ruchni that had to be made. They could have stayed stuck in their incorrect hashkafa. And they could have taken the kama mordechai. They said, you're a traitor. You put everybody in sakana. And yet they rallied behind them and behind Esther and they joined certainly the Jidin and Shushna Bira. The main conversation was between them and mordechai. 
And they were at every uh, Tfila rally and every Tainis, and, um, and they joined. Why did Esther invite Haman to this party? So she wanted to catch him off guard. There are many different things going on, all of which are true. One of the reasons the Gemara gives is that she was worried. They would say, don't worry, we got the Secretary of State, Esther, and everything's going to be fine. She's the queen, she's going to intervene, she's going to decide policy and convince Ahasuerus. So she starts inviting Haman, and they think that had the potential to think that she's a traitor also. And they were misgabbering. They didn't know. They were baffled by it, but they didn't rely on her. And this made matter more complicated. That they knew they were married. They were certainly related. So Mordechai did something, put us in Zakana. Now Esther is selling us out and inviting Haman. Our arch enemy, she's having dinner with Haman. So they realized soon enough, Baruch Hashem, that both Mordechai and Esther were doing everything for Klai Yisrael and Meisar Nefesh. But they first had to come to the Akara that it's up to us and Klai Yisrael, and this is an important Akuda, which I'll say now, we'll have a chance maybe to develop later. Destler in this whole piece doesn't explain what made them come around. It just says they come around, and they came around pretty quickly because we know that Already they're having a time in some everybody's joining. What made them come around? So, Pasha Shah is the Pintaliyid, and uh, they realized uh, that there's a real Gzaira here, and they better do tshuva, and maybe they've been wrong all along. I think what triggered it is the fact that uh, there's very intelligent people. These are the Askanim of the Dur, and these are people who have an Achrayi Zakhai Saul, which is why they thought it was their business to tell Mordechai what to do. That they realized didn't work and wasn't going to work, fortunately, for Mordechai and for Klai Yisrael. But what triggered their hodoya that they were wrong? What, where was that moment? And what, what caused that moment? I think the pshat is that they came to the realization that it's not possible that Klai Yisrael would be under Xera and that Hashem would destroy Klai Yisrael for the mistakes of one person. So they're right, he put everybody in Sakana, and now Esther's having dinner with Haman, and he put us all in Sakana, forget, forget those two, and now what? Now we still have Xerah, so they're going to kill everybody. So they step back and say, well, wait a second, what's the chance? He, he, we thought he was a tzaddik, we just thought he was wrong. So Esther would understand what she's doing, but Kleiser would rather not say that they're Begdim and Rishayim, but yet they caused this. They caused what? Hashem's going to, Hashem has a promise, Christ, those things exist. Hashem's going to let millions of people die now. It's a mistake of one person. If a person believes that that can happen, they're stomach kaifer. They stomach don't have any bitachin and kosh And they have bitachin. And they were from. So they realize, must be we're wrong. Because Hashem would not just lay malachim biyad Hashem. And just like when there's, it's destined to have a korban, then, as we spoke, uh, Rabbi Kiva said it's possible by Yechem and Zakkai when he said, Great to have Yavna Chachamah, but why did he give up Yushalayim? The answer is Hashem forced him to say that, put that in his head, so that we shouldn't be Zech to have Yushalayim, the base of should be destroyed. But it wasn't a death sentence on all of Klai, so. Here, they're under the first time, they're all in one kingdom. It's a real existential threat. So all that's going to happen because one person misjudged. We're claiming one person misjudged and treated this whole thing. He says, that's impossible, and it is impossible. 
Hashem won't give over Klaisal to one person. And we don't have papal infallibility. So, what's going to be? Now, if one person can make a mistake, the answer is people can make mistakes, but Hashem's not going to let the one person who's going to seal the fate of every single other person make a mistake like that. And I think Hashkaf believed that's true, and that probably woke them up. And they realized, okay, let's go back a few steps, a few hundred steps. Mordechai was a tzaddik, and he's our Rebbe, and our children are in his cheder, and he's a. And there was always my sinefesh, so maybe all the screaming and yelling, maybe we weren't seeing it correctly. And then they quickly joined and had Baruch Hashem results pretty quickly as well. That's why the entire Megillah is such an important lesson. This lesson, which is the key lesson in the entire Megillah, without this of death and without all the background, could be missed. So, after they realized that, Let's go back to the first word in the line. They joined the Tainus, the Tzayim, the Tshuva. Based on this imagery that tricked them. And then there was Zechit to be saved. We're going to save the last piece for next week because it's a nice recap. And we're going to add a little bit to it in Mitzvah Shem. Uh, to the meanwhile, the theme of tonight for both uh, parts of the Shir was you got to look at the realities in Shemayim, not be overly focused on the realities here on earth. And you can have this white, gooey stuff that looks like nothing much, and it could be sustenance for 40 years, and then be overly relying on something that looks more tangible, and it's heading you in the wrong direction. So everybody should head in the right direction. Have a good vach. We'll miss the chunk continue next week. Yeah. Recording stopped.